Welcome to the Leaving Cert Guidance Podcast. My name is Dunnick O'Mahony. I'm a secondary school guidance counsellor. And I also run the Leaving Cert Guidance Instagram page. I'm joined by guidance counsellor Brian Comerford, who is also director of classroom guidance on today's episode. Brian chats about the different learning types, the forgetting curve, and also how to study smart. Guidance counsellor Brian Comerford is joining me now. Uh, Brian, you're very welcome onto the Leaving Cert Guidance Podcast. Thank you very much, Donica. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of the show, as, as I said to you earlier on in an email. I binged, listened to the, all your episodes over the last week in preparation, and I learned loads. And I'm, you know, I really enjoyed them too. Brilliant. Well, we're hoping to learn loads off you today, Brian. Brian, you're director of classroom guidance. What is classroom guidance? Sometimes I'd say it's a bit like Netflix for guidance counselors with teaching presentations on it. So what we, what I always thought was problematic in guidance and teaching guidance was that everyone was doing the same presentations in their own, in their own sitting rooms, the CAO, the study skills that, you know, the here, the there, and everyone was creating their own content, reinventing the wheel is what is often being kind of called. And I just thought there was a huge possibility for someone to put an awful lot of time, do best, really good presentations, visual, low on text that the teacher could go to you know, because we're not we're not all experts in everything, so we get a very good range of topics up there for the guidance counselor. Get help the guidance counselor go through a process and have it really, really accessible. One, two, three, and they're teaching the content. I thought that would be valuable. Executed the idea, went ahead and, and built the website, and and as I was building a lot of the content anyway, and um, it was good to get it up there and have it in a framework. So a platform, an educational platform, I suppose is what you call it, and um, with with career guidance content, vocational content. Well, Brian, there is there is a, a kind of access for students as well on the Brian Comfort YouTube page, isn't there, where they can go on and have a look at a few videos and, and very very helpful videos as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, I suppose the whole premise of what we do here is we try and communicate things as simply as possible to students. And I thought YouTube and the way the student, the modern student, takes in information now, it often is in two-minute videos or three-minute videos. So... We try to put the important things up. We started a little bit like what you're doing with your podcast. We try to create a kind of series of videos starting off with, you know, how the CAO works, which some kids can can confuse with, put the highest points first. Uh, and then we looked at all the study skill stuff and the Susie grant and transfer to college and everything that we thought was, was important. And we're adding to them scholarships and bursaries and five reasons to network, everything we thought that was important and could communicate it very quickly in a video we're, we're doing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going well, the YouTube page. Okay, so Brian, what we're going to do today is we're going to pick your brain uh, about study skills because over the next few weeks and months, um, fifth years and sixth years, will have tests coming up and tests that mm. they mightn't necessarily have had towards the end of last year. You Usually, you know, summer fifth year is a big time for students to have tests. Um, so they mightn't have had a big test maybe even since their junior cert. Uh, some right. are coming up in November. Some are doing class tests in November. Some at Christmas. And then mocks only around the corner in February as well. And yeah. Brian, I, I, I watched a video of you recently and you talked about different learning styles when you're studying can you explain that to me please well learning styles it's kind of a it's been out there it's it's a theory out there for for years and years saying that we take in information in different ways um and we have the visual we have the audio the kinesthetic and then we have the group learner or the individual learner so it's it's saying that 
each person has a preference in how they take information. And you can do tests and, and show whether you are more of a visual learner than, or more of an auditory learner. And then you, the, so the theory say that you should kind of tailor how you take in information and how you learn by putting more emphasis on the visual, by doing more graphs. Say you were a visual learner, do more graphs, do more mind maps, you know, watch things on, on, on video and take in information that way. And then if you're auditory, you, you listen to podcasts, uh, you listen to audiobooks, and uh, you talk to people and you, you, um, you listen. Um, so the whole idea is that you wonder, you understand, you get self-awareness about how you learn and then you adapt how you study to suit that learning. Um, but however, there has been um, plenty of people who are rebuking this, this learning styles theory. It's not a lot of people who make a lot of money out of it. Um, and they're saying that actually learning styles theory, if you kind of focus on your particular learning styles, it, it, it doesn't have any major proof of being that effective in that, you, you know, for maths, you can't, you can't be kind of a, say you say you're an auditory learner, maths is problematic to you, really. It's very hard to do that. And, and a lot of kids will say, like, I'm not very good at maths because I'm an auditory learner, I'm not a visual learner. So what I would say with, with learning styles is it's very important that you have awareness about your learning style, but it's more important that you mix up the learning styles in any study session or, or have a strategy of how to add in a bit of visual, a bit of audio, a bit of kinesthetic, a bit of running around, a bit of talking to groups, a bit of going on your own. So you, you have you have more creativity in how you're taking in, in the information. You mix up study because study, I don't know how you felt when you were, when you were learning or in college, it's ridiculously boring most <laughs> of the time. Yeah. So to be asking our, our our young people to go into rooms for three hours every night and, and, you know, get the head down is, is, is very hard. And and if they're not doing it right and they're not making it fun for themselves or a little bit more interesting for themselves, it's going to be three times harder. So what we're suggesting in the videos is that you give up a study session into trying to introduce, you know, two or three learning styles in each one of the sessions that you do in, in every subject, if possible. So you are, trying to take information differently. And, and, and the theory then would be that it would stick much better if you study this way. Absolutely. You, you're, you're keeping yeah. the study fresh by taking different ideas and different... Because I know what was very popular in a school I was in previously was uh, the boys there used to record their notes onto their phones and then put in their earbuds when they were on the 46A going into school uh, and, and they, they thought this was brilliant. And it was because it was a new idea at the time. They were keeping study fresh. It wasn't just looking at notes and, and things like that. Now, you mentioned yeah. group learner over individual learner. Now, I talk about this a good bit in class based on the classroom guidance lesson plan. And mm. funny enough, a lot of the students consider themselves individual learners. And I, I think maybe that's down to uh, how we learn in Ireland uh, as students. You know, you're told yeah. to go away and do this by yourself and go away and do this. It's rare, really, that we do a huge amount of group work, which in turn would make a student want to be a group learner. That is kind of an under-resourced method of taking information. Um, I think often the study groups is mentioned. And if you can get a good study group, a good synergy in that group, it can, it can save you loads and loads of work. Absolutely. Um, different people taking on different things and 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 one person being told to explain to the other the one part of the of the of the subject to the other person but there was another uh, in another video i did i, I there was uh, on taking information there was there was a group of learners and they were split into a group a and a group b and group a were told they were going to be tested on the material and group b were 
told that they were going to have to explain the material to, to the rest of the class. And when they were both tested after doing that, Group B had 25% better knowledge of the topic because they had to explain it. And you know yourself from standing up in front of a, a group of people, if you don't know something, when you're, you, you think you know something, but when you go about explaining this something to people, you find out very quickly, actually, I don't really know this topic that well because you're getting questions and you're, oh, uh, actually, I'll get back to you on that. And you have to go relearn that or, or, or tease it out with, with the group of people. So sometimes being in, in, in a little individual box learning stuff, it, it, you can miss things that you don't understand. Well, it's it's the one I always pick. I know it's part of auditory learning where you're teaching somebody, but it's one I mm. always say to the students that I love is teaching somebody something. And it does really help me learn it as well. Even if you're talking about something from the news the night before, uh, that there was yeah. 1,028 COVID cases, at least, you know, teaching that and, and, and what you heard is a great way to remember. So I, that for me, um, mm. that's I, I love that way of learning. Brian, you, you yeah. go on to talk about the forgetting curve. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like this uh, what is the forgetting curve because often we would study something and then that's done and dusted yes and we think it's done but like we, we I suppose school is structured to meet this this curve and it's it's a well known thing it's from I think it's 150 years old this forgetting curve um, a German psychologist I forget his name came up with it and he and he, he, he used himself as the as the, the subject in this study but the forgetting curve is that if you learn something and um, within 30 days, you've lost eight, 75% of it, you, you're retaining 15% of what you've learned. If you listened fully in the classroom, 30 days later, you'll retain, um, what's that? It's 85, you'll lose 85% of what you've learned. If you review the content one day after you learned it, and then you review the content another Four weeks after you've learned it, you will now retain 75% of the, of the content. So by just hitting it three times in a month, you, you retain 55% more than you would have done if you didn't. So it, and this is very difficult because this needs a huge amount of organization that you have to schedule that you're going to come back to. Say you did learn about the digestive system at the start of the month that you revise it. Obviously, it'll be revision, revised with homework probably by the teacher but that you come back 10 days later and then come back again three weeks after that and you and you have to schedule to revise the digestive system then. So then your brain locks it in and it stays there for good. Well, that's a, that's, a brilliant that's advice to, to students who are listening. Uh, you know, mm. the day of, the next day and four weeks beyond that and you're 55% more likely to retain what, you, what you've learned. I think that's yes. excellent advice uh, for students. I think it, it, it's a hack, really, isn't it? Because if you come back to it six months later and you have to, you have to restart again, you, it's going to be very difficult to... You always have to. You do have to restart again. Whereas if you have it locked in one month after you've learned it, it's, it's saving an awful lot of time. But it does take a huge amount of organisation to do that. Absolutely, yeah. And Brian, I suppose then, what is good study? Because you talk about smart study um, in your videos. Mm. What, what exactly does yeah. that entail? Well, smart study. So it's it's about setting up a study session. Say we'll, we'll go on the digestive system again in biology, and and we have to S standing for specific, and M standing for measurable, A for action, 
R for realistic and T for time-based. So you get the S-M-A-R-T. And for every 40-minute session, you create a specific thing you want to learn. You figure out how you're going to measure that at the end. You're going to put a bit of um, action into it. You're going to say how you're going to learn this. And then you're going to say, is it realistic to learn all of that? If it is, carry on. And you're putting a time on how long it will take to do it. And then you're, and you're tracking yourself as you go through that. So your, your study, 40-minute study session, has a particular focus and a goal, and it has an end point, a start point, and a purpose to doing it. So it's really, again, the organization of you in learning a certain amount of material. So it's, yeah, if you can get into a habit of doing that, again, it takes an awful lot of organization. It takes a purpose for learning to do that. Um, and if I could just backtrack a little bit, we're talking all about the study. We're making an assumption that the student is is motivated to learn. If the student doesn't um, know what they're they're doing their test for or why they want to get a certain amount of points, it's very, very hard for that particular student to, to actually bother you know, implementing the learning curve or to bother implementing smart study. They're just going to do their homework just to keep out of trouble and, and, and carry on through school. Because, I mean, I work in, worked in a lot of different settings and I've often worked with boys. And, again, it's just about them getting you know, getting their parents off their back. Yeah. But from the point of view of the guidance, and this is a, a guidance podcast, if if our students, or the students out there can actually have a good reason for their study, what's the actual end goal? Do they need 500 points? Do they need 400 points? Do they need 600 points? And I think after that, if they have that settled, then they can go about, and then you can reasonably expect them to, to do smart study to, to implement learning curves and all of these things that that will get them some some good results. Yeah, but I, I love the the idea of of making it purposeful. You know, having those mm. goals by the end of this session, I suppose it's a bit like a teacher when they outline the objective of the class. At, by, yes, the, by the exactly. end of this class, the student should be able to, and it's the same for the student when they're studying. By the end of this study session, I hope to have achieved this. Now, you had mentioned goals yeah. there, Brian, as well. How should students yeah. focus on specific goals? But don't forget, I it always reminds me. And I've done a video on this on the YouTube channel about goal setting. And it's only kind of a one minute, 30, 30 second video. And here we refer to this study done in Harvard in 1969 with a business class, an undergraduate business class. And just say for, they had had a hundred people in the class and they asked them who set goals. And there was 13% said they had set goals. And then there was um, 3% who said they actually had set goals, but they had scaffolded it with, with, with how they were going to achieve it, the process of how they were going to achieve this goal. There was only 3% of the classroom had said that. So they, the, the psychologist went away, and then 10 years later, they, they chased up this group of people. And the 3% of people that had said that they wrote down their goals and how they were going to achieve these goals, their collective income, those three people, was worth more than the rest of the class. And that's a Harvard class in business as well. So these people were obviously CEOs and running huge companies, making a ridiculous amount of money. But that's because, and, it, and it's obvious enough that if you have a goal or a dream, it's, it's a dream and it's very kind of airy-fairy out there in the air if it's just something that you say, oh, I want to be this or I want to do this. But if you have written down, I want to do this, and this is how I'm going to go about getting it and, and writing down the stages and steps of how that's achieved, then it becomes much more concrete. It becomes, becomes, becomes a re, uh, something that's doable and has a process. Absolutely. And, and and even, you know, I was involved in, in different sports teams throughout the years. And, and one of the things you'd always set out at the start of the season is 
you know, what is our goal this year? What what do we, yeah. what's a successful year? I'm sure businesses yeah. do it. What's our goal this year? What would be considered a successful year? Absolutely. And they write it down. So it's the same for, for the student, you know, what what is my goal? Uh, this is yeah. what I want to do. If you, if you want to look at even, you know, short term, I hope to get 60% in my biology at, at Christmas. I hope to get that up yeah. to 65 uh, for my mocks. And then it'll be great yeah. to get it up to a haste three then for the leave insert as a long-term goal. Mm. So I, I think yeah. I think it's it's great advice for students to commit to a goal by writing it down. But like you said, Brian, there's a difference between a goal and a dream. That that goal, mm. there's a certain uh, footpath to get to it, to get to where you want to go. And it's very much yeah. measured out that it's not just, I hope to get there at some stage. Uh, so then uh, kind of to finish up, Brian, what I'd like to ask you is, what advice would you give to students when they're studying? I'd say, as I said earlier on, I'd say if they don't know what they're studying for, it's going to be very, very hard for to study. If they don't know what they're studying for, I think they should spend their time not studying for a while and go find out what they're in school for. What is the purpose of them going in six hours a day and then going home and doing two hours study or homework a night? And then the study part is another two hours for a six-year student usually so if they don't know the purpose, they have to go talk to a guidance counselor, somehow talk to parents, talk to uncles and find out, do tests online, do lots of research, but get that done first, what they're there for. Okay, so now we're presuming that they do know what they want and they know what they want with a certain amount of, of a degree of certainty. Well, then th- there's lots of different things you can do. You need to have a place to study. You need to have a desk. You need to have all the equipment. You need to have... Um, if you want, you could have motivational posters on the wall. Again, you, 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 what, what else would you, you have to be able to structure and organize your study and you need to get into the habit of studying. So you need a study timetable. You need to review your week. You need to say, okay, so I've got hurling on a Tuesday or I've got rugby on Wednesday afternoon or I've got all these, all these things and, and write in where your hobbies and, and your other pastimes are and then where you can fit in the study and the good study. And if that happens to be Saturday morning from 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock, then so be it. But you have to find the places to put it in. And then you have to give that a go in, in your schedule and in, in your study timetable and then you need to review it because we can all come up with plans and actually an awful lot of students do this at the start of fifth year or start of sixth year. They have their great plan. And then it doesn't work out for them. And then that plan is ditched. So, and then the plan is never really looked at again. It just, it's just looked at as a failed um, enterprise or endeavor. But actually, what's really important, and as you talked about businesses and, and individuals who, who do succeed, they're often failing at what they do and they have to review what they're doing and to come back and rejig it and find out what works for this individual because no two, two people do things exactly the same or achieve success exactly the same way. So find out what works for you would be, would be good advice. Yes. And then make... Study, yeah, is, well, study is a very personal thing. You know, it, what hmm. might work for one student mightn't necessarily work for another. So you're absolutely right. And, and, and it can be a process of, like you said, failure. It's like, that doesn't work for me. At least I'm not going to try that again. I've given it yeah. a shot. It hasn't worked out. But study certainly yeah. is a personal thing and it's going to be trial and error to see what does actually work for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly. So, yeah, and if you're not failing at it, you you you, you know you, you haven't really tried hard enough. So, it it is certainly about that review. But going back to the purpose you're studying, if if you didn't have really a good reason to study or, or what you're what you're trying to achieve at the end, if you do fail, sometimes this is good enough for people to give up. And then, so, but if you do have good purpose, that retrying and and learning from failure is more more likely to happen. So, yeah. So obviously, 
you get your structure, you get you get your good habits in that that then you're going to do this for the next six months. That every Tuesday you're going to be there, you're going to be doing this particular subject, and then it becomes part and part part and parcel of your life and a routine. And then you're introducing the structure, the smart goals, your you're playing with the different learning styles. You're, you might even start to enjoy it because you're starting to improve in class. You're trying to starting to get those results that you've set goals for. Um, and then, you know, you're, you become motivated and it kind of becomes a closed loop and it's a motivational loop that you're in and you, you can do very well. And some, some students who do get themselves into that particular mindset often surprise and, and really outperform what, they're, what they ever thought they were going to do. You often see this, especially now... We're singling out girls here, but sometimes girls are better at getting into this particular process than, than boys are. And they often go, oh, I got 590 points. Like, you know, and they really are genuinely surprised that they got that amount of points, but they just got good at studying and got into, got into a good process. So, yeah. And there's no magic formula. It's, it's just, it's down to hard work, but, but getting yes. the right process, uh, it certainly yes. helps. Yes, and there's loads. There's loads of advice out there. There's, I mean, there's oodles as people come around to schools and give give advice, and all the advice is really good. But but it stops stops it again without you know overstating this. If the kid doesn't want to study or doesn't have a reason to study, it's not going to happen. That's that's really where it, where it boils down to. I think. Brian, I really appreciate you coming on to Leaving Cert Guidance podcast and uh, imparting such brilliant knowledge for students who are trying to figure out. A study routine. So just again, Brian, uh, students can see your videos on the Brian Comerford YouTube page. I think if they if they type yeah. in Brian Comerford into YouTube, they'll see some yeah. of the videos there uh, from Classroom it's, Guidance. Yeah, it's on actually on classroomguidance.ie and actually in the top menu, there's video guides and there you'll see all of them nicely displayed. I mean, there's three, there's four, four episodes on studying, goal settings, how the CEO works, top skills needed, Lo- loads, loads of stuff that they could they could watch, and don't don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> um, we are hopefully going to put your podcast on, yeah, onto the onto our web page, um, and and a similar page like the video guides, but with the with the menu of um, the Leaving Cert Guidance podcast there, because um, as I said, I think it's I think it's very valuable, and lots of people should be listening and um, learning from the nuances and the detail about different careers and different colleges and what they're doing, because, you know, it does take a bit of time to um, take all that in. Brilliant. The podcast is a perfect way to do it. Well, Brian, thank you so much again for coming on and taking the time and imparting all that knowledge. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And thanks for having me on.